I'm surprised nobody shared about some of their encounters. I heard there were some good ones on uh, yesterday. It's always good to do the things because it's, no matter what, you get to share Christ in a way that is acceptable. In other words, it doesn't look like you're pushing, but it's a reason to be able to talk about Jesus. Throw up the first slide uh, there. You guys get the Bibles? Who else has got there? Hey, three or four. <laughs> I got the words up there for you today. And the reason we're, we're going back in the Romans, we, we left off here uh, a few couple months ago to go through some other scriptures I really believe that God wanted to bring us to. And I came back to this because I want a fuller understanding of it. We're going to go with Romans 8 1, where it starts off, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I, I want to. You may have heard that scripture quite a few times. You may know it in your mind. But I want to, I want to personalize this a lot more. Uh, and so, uh, I want to have you guys break up in groups of five. We're going to actually do, do a little study together. And while we do that, would you go to slide? Can you guys break up in groups of five for me? Not six, not four. Now. <laughs> I might as well. I can talk to you while you're all gathered around. It makes it a little bit more relaxed. Now, go to slide nine for a minute. Okay. Say hi. Get acquainted if you don't know each other. Okay. them saying hi yet? Okay. Now, last week I went through something I don't normally do. I, I picked somebody's book up with uh, uh, joiners, and I talked about a vision of uh, heaven and vision of the end times army. And, and this is I want to take a look at what the enemy looks like and what the battle looks like. We're an army. We talked about that. Um, I truly believe in that we're an army. Well, not only that, we're an army, but from the very beginning of time, saints, Christians, have wanted to be part of this last day's army. They've always wanted to be part of this army. Because we get to usher in something new. We get to usher in. But we're an army that is not really yet prepared. I want to talk about how the enemy comes against us, and then I want to talk about Romans uh, one, and actually we'll go back to Romans 7, 1 to get some background to it. Now, we usually think about warfare, a sickness, and there's definitely that. There's lots of different types of warfare. But it, if we listen to that vision, and I, and I can attest to this, the main plan of the, of the enemy is using Christians against one another. It's the main plan of the enemy. It's the main thing the enemy does. Now, Why? Because he lost his power at the time of the cross. So he's got to have power from people that have power. We have power. You just don't know you have it. That's the, that's the problem. And we, as we come and as we understand this stuff, we'll understand the power we have, the power God has given us, to be able to do war against the enemy. 
Listen, believe me, if you know who you were, the enemy would not bother you the way he does. So because we don't understand who we are, we get bothered by the enemy much more. And it's through our friends, our church members, other church members, uh, people with what they think are good intentions, maybe very good intentions sometimes, the enemy has his way. And if you remember the first part, there was a banner uh, of this army of the enemy. Had tons of Christians in it. And the banner was made up of pride, self-righteousness, pride and self-righteousness, what I do, everything's by what I do, which is kind of spirit of the world. Respectability, selfish ambition, unrighteous judgment and jealousy. The weapons are what I want to really draw your attention to. Banners are what ends up in the way you feel, in a sense, you know. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm doing real well. About two seconds later, you did face plant. You know, only in the spirit. <laughs> but that's what happens to us. Uh, and the weapons. Intimidation. Treachery. The arrows of accusations, gossip, slander, and fault finding. Now, in, in this vision that he ha- had, these were Christians that were doing this to one another. They were wounded Christians. This is mainly made up of wounded Christians. I think that we're all wounded, but most are somewhat critically wounded. Not critically wounded people hurt other people. Hurting people hurt people. You know, I used to be parents' skills grants and, you know, problem parents produce problem children. Pain in parents, they do it to their children. They don't want to. Uh, they love them. They're hurt. They do it not by purpose. But that's what happens. That's kind of the nature of pain. We inflict damage. Now, it's, Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation. Why is it essential to understand that? If you look at what the weapons are, the Christians, I'm going to say it again, Christians are going to be saying to you, pastors are going to be saying to you, elders, well, you don't have them here, but other elders are, they are elders right here, but we just don't have titles for them. Whoever it is, is they're going to have Intimidation, treachery, accusations, gossip, slander, and fault finding. Why no condemnation? It's essential that there's no condemnation. We'll go through Romans 7, we'll show you why there isn't any. But it doesn't matter if there's none, if you don't understand that there's none. It's empty words unless it becomes part of your heart to back up. And if you remember on that, because Karen read that uh, out of that book for a bit, she said they had very small shields of faith. It was barely any type of protection at all. Most of them didn't have all their armor. They didn't know who they were. They didn't understand the faith. They didn't understand the power. They didn't understand there's no condemnation. No condemnation is part of the faith thing, knowing that and understanding that. If you don't have that, then those fiery darts, arrows of the enemy of accusations, gossip, slander, and fault finding are going to kill you. And in the, in the vision was very interesting that where they were wounded, if I have that on, where they were wounded, they didn't even bother to covering over, they kept on getting wounded. And another thing in that vision is that the ones that weren't wounded, they got very mad at them. And so they tried to wound them. Isn't that horrible? But you know what? People don't understand it. I've dealt with many people over the years, and they have lots of different hurts in their life, and you try to fix them, they get mad at you. 
I think it's a self-righteous reason. You know, what are you doing saying that? Who are you to say this? Or, or uh, you aren't perfect either. Uh, you're surprised. No, I'm not. Whatever it is, they come back at you. That's anger at them. That's when you're trying to help them. That's what's going to happen with you when you try to help other people. You're going to get mad at you. And the place where you get the biggest battle and the biggest problems is right in church. And it's always, almost always with Christians. The argument that we saw was mostly made up of Christians. His army was mostly made up of Christians. Our army was uh, a little bit different. Go to the next slide. Christians were well-dressed, respectful, refined, and educated, confessing Christ's truth to feed their conscience. How often are we in that one? We all do. No condemnation, though. They will learn how to walk that out. They agree with, uh, their lifestyle agrees with darkness. Sometimes their lifestyle does. But if you remember in the vision, they had demonic presences around them and they could vomit stuff over them. And that vomit stuff over them was condemnation. You know, or what you're not. You don't measure up. And in the, in the vision, they kind of straightened up for a second. And then became worse off. And I won't go why you got better or worse off. But there's, in the, in the vision, it, just you said it. But the idea is you think it in trying to do things better with your own strength. And with your own strength, you will never get anything better. It's about the strength of him. So I need for you to learn these things. I need you to understand, I don't, I'll just mention the other one, the army behind it, because we've had a lot of people that have been in that, behind the army, uh, the Christian army. There was a Christian army, but mostly of uh, women and children, very few of the guys around, but we've got a pretty good percentage here, not bad, doing good guys. Uh, but most were made of women then, and they were pretty beat up, pretty hurt. Uh, uh, and behind that, was people that weren't even in the army, and they were ones that were all partying, were having fun, were for Jesus, and they were they were super excited, super zealous, always drunk. Uh, they weren't part of the army, though, were they? They're always drunk and always playing around. You're not part of the army. They think that's good. Well, I can show you why it's not. If there's time for that. I can show you why it's not. Let's go to uh, let's go to eight one. Who wants to read this out loud so you can all see it? I like to read out loud. No way. No, well, Lois. Lois is the official reader. One first slide. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law and the spirit of life to be free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Why no condemnation? Why through Christ? What is the law of the Spirit? Those are the three questions I'm going to ask you when we're done. Okay? So you've read that. Now, hang on, because we're going to go to Romans 7, verse 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and read that. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, 
that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. If her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not adulteress, even though she marries another man. Okay. What's the main point of that, guy? Right. Right. The law has authority over a person only as long as he lives. Okay? So there saying, okay, the law, the rules, the regulations, all the stuff, as long as you live, you're under him. Now, what did Jesus say about that? He says he's not going to remove anything, any, not even a letter of the law. Right? Didn't he say that? So I'm not, I am not to get rid of this law. I came to what? Spell it. Okay. That's an important fact that you have to understand. This is basic theology of the faith. Basic tenets of the faith. Okay. So, as long as the law exists, because God's word is permanent. He says that it's a permanent, permanent issue. Never changes. Never goes away. His word holds heaven and earth in place. So it's always constant. It's always there. So when he puts the law, it is there. What was the, what's the first law that ever came? That's the most important one. That's the first law. Do not touch the tree, remember? That was the first law. That was the first law. That was the first covenant. That was broken. Okay. So, as long as we're alive, we're stuck. Okay, go to the next. Go, uh, hang on. Romans uh, 4 through 6, if you do that. So, my brothers, you also died for the loss of the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore the fruit of death. Now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Okay. So what's the big point of that? you got to die. Yeah, we, uh, we died to it. That's the saying, that we died to it, Right. That we're not under it anymore. Uh, why? Okay. And for what reason did this happen? So we can belong to another. Remember this? So we can belong to another. Now, who do you belong to? Christ. Right. And why? So we could bear fruit. Okay. Bring back to fruit. The purpose of this. Early on I told you everything comes from that garden. Everything in our understanding of the scriptures. It's the basic, one of the most basic principles a person has to understand. And if you haven't been here, most likely you don't understand what, the, what happened in the garden and why it happened. And I won't be going through all that right now. But suffice to say, there was two trees, wasn't there? And two trees have Two different types of fruit. Right? 
Just to remind you, I put it in here just to have it. Where's the Galatians one? Can you see the Galatians one there? Uh, Sebastian. Okay. Okay, Galatians 5, 19 through 24. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warned you as I said before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Three of knowledge of good and evil. Next one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Okay. Two, two trees, two fruits, two different things. If you can lay things out, I want to make it so clear. The enemy always tries to make things gray. It's one or the other. You either read from one or the other. Plain and simple. Man, when he went and was deceived, went over and ate from the seed of knowledge of good and evil. Before, to be like God. Not to be debauchery, impurity, discord, hatred, discord, jealousy, disagreement, ambition. Not for that. He didn't go for that at all. He went so he could be like God. Remember that's what Satan told him? And that's what he went and did. He wanted to be like God. He ran to something else that God was not doing. Not in his time, not in his place. He went to grab some information, some understanding that God wasn't doing. And in the process, he ate from another tree. When he ate from that other tree, he had a different fruit. The fruit came to Jesus as a surprise to him. We're saying the county is naked. Didn't understand why it became naked. Didn't understand the whole process. The process was there's two trees. There's two ways of knowing. You're either going to go and make your own decisions on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, even if it's godly or ungodly, which is either humanism, or you're going to obey God. God's fruit is this. The fruit of whatever you have, whatever your intentions are, will be the other. It'll be the sinful nature. Why is it sinful? Because you broke the command, A, because you're doing things out of the timing of God. I'll tell you, the scripture says very clearly, on the day you do that, you shall surely die. That was the promise, an eternal promise. Never stops, never ends. The day you go to that other thing, think you're going to establish yourself, prove, provide, promote yourself, you're going to be nowhere knowledgeable about God, that's what's going to happen. And the fruit of that is more hunger and death. More hunger. Yeah, you're going to go out you're going to get more information, more information, more information. See it all the time. Do you think these people ever say to anybody? Do you think these people just talk to people about Jesus? Not usually. Do you think the outreach just knows you feed the poor? Any of that? No. The truth is that one thing is more knowledge. And that more knowledge produces this. And so what happens is a person doesn't understand what's going on in their life. They don't understand why they continue to do certain things that they don't want to do. It says that later in the scripture here. Okay, so, we have, we have four, six, it says it's controlled by our sinful nature. Passions aroused, 
And all was at work for the fruit of death. Go back to, uh, excuse me, uh, Romans 7, 4 through 6. Okay. But we're controlled by, controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law where it work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what we once bound us, we have been released. Transmitted. As long as you play in that other tree, you're going to have death. It can't be any other way. There's no other way. As long as you go and eat from that tree, it's going to bring death. I don't care how good the tree looks. Because remember what the thing she says? Oh, it looks good. It's beautiful. It's pleasing in the eye, it says. It was desirable for gaining knowledge and was a good day. What else? Eat from it. But as long as you do that, as for whenever controlled by sinful nature, those passions are aroused. As long as you move in that field, certain things are going to be aroused in you. Okay, why don't you read uh, 6 through... I mean, uh, 6 or 7. Uh, 7 through uh, 15. Yeah. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known. Indeed, I would have not have known that sin was set through the law. For I would not have known that coveting was really coveting really was if the law had not said not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive, apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, but in order that sin might recognize a sin to produce death in me, and what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Okay, what was the purpose of the law? To reveal sin. And it's deceit. That's the purpose. So, when we're approaching things, and I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, it says what happens? It sees an opportunity and produces a passion to do the very thing you don't want to do. Okay? The law, the rule, the regulation was to bring you to an understanding that you're eating from the wrong tree. It's to bring you to the knowledge and understanding that something else is working in you. It's to bring you to the understanding That someone else is on the throne. But apart from the law, sin is what? Just to say apart from the law, sin is what? When you don't have the law, sin is what? Dead. Right? Apart from the law, sin is dead. Did I say that there? Or is that the next scripture? That's the next scripture, I'm sorry. 
verse 13, you didn't cover it quite far enough. But it goes on to say, parts from the law, sin is dead. Uh, oh, what must happen? Is there a law? No. But the sin brings death. And the sin, and, 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 I mean, the law brings death in it because of sinful nature in it. And the law is never going to change. Then what's the only other thing? There you go. You got to die. Okay. <laughs> the point of it. You have to die. We have to, and as long as we're dead, that means we don't touch that other tree. That means that we're living after what God's calling us to do, rather than going after ourselves. As long as we do that, we're going to live. The day we touch the death, we're going to die again. So now, you guys take a second, put Romans 8, let's see, I think, oh, in 21. Oh, let's hit uh, Romans 7, 21 through 25, and then we'll do the 8 one. So I find this law at work. When I want to be good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So, our desires to do good, but the laws work and it produces definite. So, she says, he says, uh, help save me from this law of sin. So, of course, that means repentance. Repentance means change the way you think. Turn to the cross. Great, what are you going to ask? That's a very, very good question. Uh, the day you go home with him, you will be truly dead and alive. Until then, you're going to have that battle. And that's the battle I face every day. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that's mastered it. But it's that, it's that, it's that uh, was it, Galatians 5, 19 through whatever? That is there to show you whether you're eating from the wrong tree. What I'm trying to get you to is just a real simple thing. If you eat from one tree, you are going to die. It's going to produce those things in there. You can eat from the other one, you're going to live. The idea, with the, it says in here, the law was meant to do, was show you this, that sin's creeping, it has power in your life, and it's sinful, and that, that you can know that you're eating from the wrong tree. That's the only point of it. Because the law, since, since as soon as we say to God, forgive me, you know, I'm eating from the wrong tree, I, I'm, I'm running my own life, you run my life, immediately when you pray that, it's forgiven. You're not under it. So the only point of, of that is to show you where you're at, where you're eating from. Because it says in there, it says, sin's deceitfulness. Let me tell you what, everyone in this room knows how deceitful sin is. I, 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 if you don't, you're a new Christian, or you're really deceived. <laughs> because if you've been around at all, you know that 
two seconds later, you're doing really good. Two seconds later, you thought about you're doing good. And four seconds later, you're in trouble. And it's just that fast. I mean, unfortunately, it's that way. But if we can understand, if we can break down this condemnation, so when people say things to you and everything else, or, or the enemy reminds you, or you remind yourself of your sin, it's, it's just telling you, buddy, you're eating from the wrong tree, go to the other one. That's all it's there to tell you. That's what that scripture, uh, Romans, is telling you. It's one purpose. The purpose of that now, purpose of the law originally, and is now, purpose doesn't change, is to tell you, you are eating from the wrong tree. That's how sin came, right? Sin came from eating from the wrong tree. Before that, there's no account of it. Came from eating from that wrong tree. So it's telling you, you're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking to yourself to be able to do the things of God. See, when Eve went and uh, from that other tree, she looked to her own provision of knowledge to be like God. She was going to go get it herself. It was all right to go get it herself. That's what she was going to do. So she was going to go out there and grab it for herself. And that self-motivation, which a lot of people love uh, in this world, brought death. And as long as you move in that realm, then you're going to have death. But if you move into going after the tree of life, going after just what God is. What does that feel like? Does anybody know what that feels like? Can you describe it? To me, when I, when I have him on the throne rather than me, it's like error in my sails. I seem to kind of move forward. I mean, that's all I can explain. I move forward. It's, it's almost like I move ahead of time or before I was behind it. I mean, I don't have any biblical backing for that. I'm just telling you how it works when, I, when I'm in the right place. When I'm in the right place, it's like there's power, there's energy in me, and I see it's coming in the presence of God in me that moves me forward. And, and there's in the presence of God more. You see, the enemy's number one trick is to teach you to live in the past or the future. Because you live in the now is the only place you find God, even though he exists from the end of time to the, to, uh, from the ending to the beginning, beginning to the end. He's accessed in the moment of now. And so what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get you to think of your past mistakes and worries and, and get yourself focused and on this little track to fix yourself called self-righteousness. Uh, he tries to get you to do that. Or he gets you to worry about the coming mistakes. There will be plenty. You see, God says there's no condemnation. I'm answering the questions for you. No uh, condemnation, so you don't have to do that. So you know... Boom, I can do it right now, and I stand in this moment in this presence. See, by, by having him on the throne, you're actually in his presence, and you're doing his will. It's not what you do. Remember the scripture? It says, in your name I cast out demons, your name I did all this great stuff. He says, I never knew you. Wrong tree. doesn't matter what you do. That's like he had. Wrong tree. Right purpose. One to be like God. Wrong. It brings death. That's not up there right now. It brings death. You always keep that to you. It always brings death. So if I can divide this thing out in your mind and make it extremely simple, you know, then they'll have a good power in there because then you will not be able to hide it from you. It will not be able to trick you. It will not be able to pull the wool over your eyes. Then the truthfulness will not capture you. But it is so fun to be able to walk in the place and not worrying about sin. You know, there's a big argument in the scriptures that goes through the whole thing. Well, you can do anything then. No, it doesn't mean you can do anything. 
because he's in you, because you're eating from the tree of life, you're going to produce those things. You're producing something else. You're in the wrong place. That's what the purpose Okay. Now, throw up the Romans uh, 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 1 through 4, and you can just look at that and answer this question, uh, if you would. I know why I said a lot of it. I want you guys to, I find it's helpful when you look at something, think about it yourself, argue it, and you're welcome to argue with me on this, on this stuff. Anything I talk about doing it that way, we're always welcome to do that. Because, you know, maybe talk about me on better, I might need some things. I don't think I'm missing on this one, but maybe some aspect of it. But it's good to talk about it. So you need to think about it. And the process of going through those things and verbalizing it and thinking the reasons why and why not will help you understand it. It's in your mind. Remember it says, remember it talks about the, uh, that uh, have your mind transformed. That's the transforming part, part. We went through the whole body and how that works, and you have to look back to those scriptures for that. Uh, but I got mine. I don't know if you guys kept yours, but it's very helpful. You actually use it. This is, this is very helpful to actually use. Useless if you don't. <laughs> so, then you can look at that and then tell me why, why. All right. Okay, you guys got it? Who's going to go first? Are you ready? Hey, you're ready now because Jerry says you're ready. Well, I saw you talking about other things, so that yeah. means you're ready. Well, we've been ready for a while because we're pretty smart in this group. <laughs> so we, we, we came up with, with why there's no condemnation and ego is that um, um, there's a substitutional sacrifice. And, um, and when, we come, when we come to the Lord, um, we, we shift from the old nature into his nature. So the condemnation occurred. Uh, it was, it, God condemned sin. And so when, when, the, when the Lord went to the cross, the combination was that, that uh, requirement of, of, of that position was taken care of there. So we were released from condemnation uh, by coming into the new nature. Is there anybody else on that, as long as I don't screw here? Okay. On the same one, person on number one. Right? No condemnation to Christ because of the, also the love is another part. I mean, we agree with what you're saying, but also the love as well because... When the love is greater than the issue, then forgiveness runs rampant. And so love is also one of the food is so if you're eating of the tree and you're eating, you know, from Jesus, then his love gets to flow freely and so does forgiveness. Okay. That's good. It's not the answer yet. I'm wanting to for. But it's good. I mean all of them are good. I mean All right, who else? I think Mars I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Set it up, tear it down, talk to it. You play on the drums, too, so why not? So what are you going to do, dance or something? I can. <laughs> no connection, why? Because we're Jesus, and Jesus died, and to change the law. Everybody's in the room. You got to remember, you're talking on a recorder, so other people can hear. And I don't have to. Okay, Gary is really frustrated with his audio engineering capabilities. 
So I'll talk through the opens, microphone. For me. There it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. So since we're in Jesus, Jesus died to change the law. So we are no longer um, no longer bound to the written law. Why? Because we're bound to Jesus and God. God had to send Jesus to be the sinful nature and die for it. Jesus represented all of our sin. He died. No more condemnation. That's it. What up? What is it? What else is the other thing? What's life? What is the answer? We're dead. God! We're dead! Dead men aren't under the law. First thing I read. Dead men aren't under the law. Teddy had it almost completely perfect. But you got to see that we were dead. We're in Christ. Dead. Dead. Okay. So we got that now. Okay, we're dead. All right. So how about the second one? Well, let me ask you this question: Why is it important? Why is it why is it important that there's no condemnation? Nice forever, yeah, yeah. That's true. But why, for now, huh? That's right. Uh, if you're not aware of that revelation, a lot of things will come at you. A lot of Christians will come at you. And, uh, go ahead. It is important because condemnation is death. And if we are no longer living under death, but under the fear of life, then it is important for us to know that condemnation has no longer uh, authority over us. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not true. And so you would even go on further say that if you're going to have people that you know, friends and stuff, saying things, the one thing is so it won't hurt you more, and so you can, you're not crippled, and be able to carry out the life more, but two, that you don't hurt them in the back. If his vision was true, if you're going to have condemnation, you're going to hurt other people. You know, one of the things as a Christian, when we first start thinking about Okay, relationship with God. And then as we go a little more, we think about how we're going to bless others in the kingdom and larger and larger circle of people to do it. And then you begin to think about sin and different things in your life and the way how it's going to affect the kingdom. That's what God wants you to be. He wants you to be in that place that you think about what I do not only has an effect on me and people around me, but the kingdom of God. Because, and it's not just the people that you're talking to. It helps the kingdom be established or not. There's more the gatekeeping things I thought you about. What you allow in your own life is what you allow in the gate. So you have to become kingdom-minded in this. If we are an army and we're establishing the kingdom and we're, we're going in battle, then it's very important how we act. And we would be come wholeheartedly before it without hurting other people and to be established righteousness in the land. Now that's, that's Stretching you a little bit right now. But that's what we're called to do here. That's what we're, all churches are called to do, I might add. To be especially. And so we're called to be able to uh, establish righteousness by what we do. Of course, what it says in 
senses go to dominion. So if you're taking dominion, what are you going to take dominion in? Is it going to be righteousness or unrighteousness? If you take a dominion and establish unrighteousness, guess what? The land's going to yield unrighteousness. What you sow, you shall reap. If you sow righteousness, then it's going to real yield righteousness. This land's defiled. It's, it's, it's using unrighteous crop here. So we're changing that. Okay. Why through Christ? I think that was answered. Eddie did a good job on that one. What is the law of the Spirit? You can have in Galatians. Why is it called the law of the Spirit? Huh? Well, when we died in Christ, we were alive, I mean, we're alive in Christ. We died. We're alive in Christ, and so we live in the Spirit because that's what goes goes on. We're we're spiritual beings living out a temporal existence. And uh, in Galatians, it says the, the law of the Spirit is what is it? Faithfulness, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's a very good answer. <laughs> Those on tape should expect we're talking about that, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'll turn it up so they can hear that a lot. Another thing, why is it called the law in itself? It's, it's, it's a little extra. It's, it's, you know, I have covenants, and they have covenants, have rules and regulations or laws or commands. And so that's why it was called a law. It's because you have a new covenant with a new law. It's a law that's from the Venice. It's a kingdom law. Okay. That hits it. Uh... The only other thing I can think of uh, is I'd like you guys to, we're going to pick up next week, and obviously the next scripture would be Romans 8, 5, uh, and we're going to go for however far we get. We're going to go there until God switches to somewhere else, but uh, I really want to get to Romans. I think it's absolutely essential that we understand it, and I want to get through Galatians, and I want to get through Hebrews. Where we have a real, complete understanding of those books. Because it's the foundation by what we've got. Because we're going out, we're going to battle, people are going to step on our toes. The enemy is amongst us, it's us. <laughs> we're the enemy. You know, we're hurting everybody. We're hurting each other, and we don't mean to do it, so we have to get healed up. But at the very moment we focus on getting healed up, we get worse. Why? I came from life to lose it. It's going to, that's the knowledge of good and evil. It's by losing your life in, in that one tree, the tree of life, which is Christ, that we gain it. When we eat from that, we're, we're go ahead, Eddie. Nothing. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is the fear? What is that guy's teaching? Fear is currency of what? Yeah, fear is the currency of the kingdom of darkness. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of life. Do you have to take down fear? Which kingdom? Which tree are you eating from? Now, what is also why we're on that same subject? What does the scripture say? Those 
that are not in Christ are under the law. The people who do not have Christ are under the law and are judged by it. Remember? Uh, it says nobody can take someone's sin away from someone else. Uh, but, uh, I think I actually have it in my notes. Uh, but some of the notes don't get to. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, Psalm 49, 7 through 9. Wow, I just shut off. That's really interesting. Uh, and, and it says, uh, it says no one can make another person righteous and, uh, what was the other scripture I was going to say? Anyway. Sibby, you had a word, didn't you? Did you have a word? Yeah, I want you to give it. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, there will be a word. If you don't need to respond to that word, you need prayer for anything, I want you to come forward. Anything we talked about here, anything. So, Father, bless the people. Bless them with the, the seeds that you planted. I ask that you would guard them, that the enemy cannot come and pluck them out, that the seeds would uh, uh, take root and not in bad ground, but our hearts would be good. Father, I ask that you make our hearts right and good in you. That we would have a large harvest of fruit that would bear great fruit. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, well, we were worshiping. The Lord gave me a word. I was going to give it because uh, it's kind of like what uh, Marcia said about the Father running running towards you, but um, the Lord keeps pressing my heart to say it, so I'm going to. Um, Isaiah 63, 9 says, mm-hmm. I'll make a list of God's gracious dealings, all the things God has done that need praising, all the generous bounties of God, His great goodness to the family of Israel, compassion lavished, love extravagant. He said, without question, these are my people, children who will never betray me. He became their savior in all their troubles. He was troubled too. He didn't send someone else to help them. He did it himself in person. Out of his own love and pity, he redeemed them, rescued them, and carried them along for a long, long time. This is what the Lord put in my heart. Um, I think that um, there is um, despair among us, and uh, um, we are, um, uh, as a congregation perhaps, or I think there's uh, people in particular who are struggling with uh, believing that um, we deserve the love of God, and um, we're trying to do this and that, and do everything to feel worthy of the love of the Lord, but um, this is what the Lord put in my heart, that um, it is not because we deserve His love that He's reaching out to us. It is because He loves us, because He loves us, and that He will continue to love us for eternity. Um, it is not that He saw something in us, but because he wants to be with us, and uh, that he's willing to take the extra mile to be there with us. He wants to uh, talk to us, take us by the hand, walk with us, wake up with us. 
God is with us. He wants to whisper in our ear about what he thinks of us. About the plans that he has for us. About what um, he likes about us the most. Because he wants to spend the eternity knowing that uh, he did everything to conquer our hearts, to show us that uh, it is his love. His love is what has chosen us. And that he will sacrifice anything just to be with us and to hold hands with us and walk with us every day. So that's what the Lord put in my heart. So that, uh, I want you guys to come forward when we want some prayer um, on that. She actually mentioned the one I forgot to mention on no condemnation. For the greatest reason of all, there's no condemnation. If you feel condemned, you don't ever go to a person when you feel condemned. Especially if you think they're condemning you, which is what the, the point of the enemy is, is the Lord condemns you. So the condemnation is removed so you can come to him immediately. That's the purpose of it. There is none. We can come to the Lord anytime because his forgiveness is immediate as she gave in that word. So come. If you, if you feel condemned, if you want to have broken off you, you're going to have to learn how to fight and walk that out. We can break things off you. We have authority. But you have to walk it out. Nothing's ever given to us completely. It's, we're an army. We're people that grow by what we do and how we walk things out. So you have to. So, come forward. I want to pray for you. Watch out or anything else. Otherwise, be released. Bless you. You have a father who's alive. Would you happy with him or not? Wish him a happy Father's Day.